right, everybody. Welcome back to episode two. Welcome to week zero is our hero is the name of the, of the show title. And today we're uh, we're finally gotten some gameplay, boys. We're finally here. We got week zero in the midst. We finally got everything dropping this past week, um, whether it's FanDuel, DraftKings, Price Picks has some new stuff that's up for us as well. And we're here to break it all down. Of course, we're here to help you with those type of places. And uh, this is the Bet on C2C podcast. So welcome in as well. Uh, of course, I'm Brandon T. Sanders. You can find me at CFF University over here on, I believe my point over here is Ethan Sowers at Ethan Sowers. Of course, I have down below is Mr. Chris K at Realist Chris K. Boys, welcome into the show. You guys excited for some football finally? It's about time. Very excited. Yeah, we're we're so close. It's it's uh, it's awesome. It's just so awesome. <laughs> I find myself super giddy right now and uh, just with excitement. It's getting a little harder to sleep as we get approached. It's like Christmas for all of us, basically. And all these lines are dropping, all these values, and we're watching, seeing how it is, and we're seeing you know the the contest starting to fill up a little bit, but not as fast as we usually see in week one. So that could be an advantage to us. So that's something to pay attention to as we're going on as well. Um, so we want to start in week week zero because we're degenerates. We want to start when the, the iron is hot and there's money to be had. And that's what we're here to kind of help you out as going with. First, we got a little housekeeping before we get started. We're just going to start first, of course, campusdecan.com. That is the website that we are under and the banner that we fly. Of course, everything that you can get as far as tools. There's the guys that are out currently as well. Different memberships. We also recommend the NIL tier that we talked about last week. That's where you're going to find all our DFS content this year. Um, it's going to be under that lock and key. So if you want to go check out the NIL tier, it is $7.99 per month, or you can do the whole year, I believe, is 80 All the guides are 60 total, so you're only paying an extra 20 bucks, and you have content to DFS as well as the other premium articles that the, the Campus of Canton crew puts out yearly. So go check that out to come along with as well. And, of course... I want you guys to go check out Nick's page, Nick Lee and Allen. Uh, he is CFP Winning Edge. Of course, we have the website on top of there as well. A lot of stuff that you're going to hear in the next coming weeks, you're going to see a lot of uh, you know stats and things like that comes from his website and his spreadsheets. So he kind of helps us out. He has the data. He has it through the past five years. So it's very data-driven and very accurate. So when we talk about defenses being ranked certain things or an offense being ranked certain things, for example, or a power ranking, I kind of go off of his um, – don't trust the RLAD stuff. That's not my. That's not our thing. I'm uh, this, you know, very shoddy stuff. I want to do with the super direct stuff. So we want to go and do it through Nick ourselves. So please go check out uh, Patreon.com/slash/CFBWinningEdge. I think it's as cheap as five bucks. So go check them out as well. All right, boys. Before we start and get started, was there anything, you know, uh, mind-boggling that you wanted to bring up before we hopped into some price picks? Was there anything on your mind? Oh, we lost. Uh, we lost Chris for a second there. We lost Chris, but we'll get him back in a second. That's yeah, okay. uh, just in in terms of uh, moving into to week zero, I think that uh, just something to kind of keep an eye on and, and pay attention to uh, with Prize Picks specifically uh, is really using the movement that we're seeing on the lines and being able to use that for our cash games. I know I touched on it a little bit last week. Um, but being able to check out the um, the movement on those popular lines, I think really is uh, signaling kind of where that ownership is going to be in our cash games. Yeah, uh, I, it's a fair point, and I wanted to bring it up as well. Um, yeah, you're right. I think if we we need to take a look at price picks versus cash play in DFS, that was a 
a point that you wanted to kind of drive home. I think we were talking it off uh, camera as well. Um, when you hit on these type of things, it's that's where like if you hit the five or hit the four, you're definitely making it in. He's back. Hey, buddy. Hey. Dude, I have no idea what just happened, but we're here. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> You're good. We're just talking about how uh, we're, we're looking at price picks as a supplement to cash games uh, and how price picks, if you do hit the four or five or even hammer a lot of money on the twos that you're making more in cash. What were your guys' thoughts there as far as replacing cash plays with price picks or props like underdog, for example? What are your guys' thoughts there as as we move into the to week zero? Well, I think if you... I think if you like the lines, it's always going to be better to spend it on the lines. If you catch them early, right? Like the stuff that we caught early last week, you're never going to beat that, right? Like the only thing that you lose by doing that over um, like a cash game on DraftKings or FanDuel is that you lose like like the fact that somebody could play someone hurt or just a bad play that you truly believe is a bad play type thing. Um, I thought it was a really interesting idea. Ethan said it in like kind of like a background Slack channel with us. And I was like, that makes a lot of sense. Like why invest $50 in a cash game in cash game contest when I can just spend 50. The problem is you have to, I don't know there. I, I see both sides to it, but there's pros and cons for sure. Yeah. The argument I laid out when we were talking about it was, you know, why invest your $50 trying to hit on the eight guys that you think are going to be performing well. Versus if you get that line early in uh, early in the week, you know, you can find two. And instead of playing that as a double up, you can triple your money if you find two that you like early in the week. So, I mean, not only are there, there are less variables that you're trying to hit on and project correctly, you also have that 3x versus the 2x. I mean, I know I know there's the, the triple ups that, that DraftKings also runs, but... I, I personally would rather take my chances on the uh, the prize picks game. If you do prize picks early, it's way better than doing a triple up. Yeah, and it's compared to a cat like a head to head matchup in a lot of fifty fifties. You're not paying any rake, whereas you would be there. You know, but and yeah. then it, even if you're playing like the um, the cash games that you're winning the ten, but you're also having to place more than the top half. You know, like maybe it's a hundred con people in the contest you have to finish 40th to win the ten dollars on a five dollars so i I definitely see the merit in it and i maybe it's a thing where you you know hey i missed the the drop of of stuff on tuesday and it got bumped or it got taken off and now i can't get to it maybe that's where you do it but i definitely i definitely think there's some merit to it for sure yeah, I, I think that's a good supplemental uh, if you can't hit it on the early slates, which we're going to talk about some ones that we were able to hammer pretty early, and hopefully there's still some that are fairly the same. I'm, I'll lean on Ethan as we get into that segment as far as what it might have changed. I know he's been keeping track of that kind of stuff, but if you can't get to on Tuesday, if you're a Friday and you're like, hey, man, I'm finally able to sit down and put some stuff together, yeah, that's where you probably want to play the cash ones, especially the double-ups, the head-to-heads, the ones that you know that you can – you got a good lineup and you know it's just chalk and that you can kind of just – you know, win the 50-50, be over the 50 percentile. I think that's the way to go as well. So let's move on to segment one. Of course, we call this Campus Picks. You might have heard this from a previous uh, podcast known as the CFFU podcast. is now laid to rest. Rest in peace, CFFU podcast. But Campus Picks has returned and is fully on price picks. And the way that we want you to 
to join us is by using the promo code. We got the promo code C2C. Of course, it's over on Price Picks. Download the app, put in that promo code. You can get a matching deposit up to $100. So if you're really starting out, it doesn't even have to be the $100. Say if you only got $20 to spare. Well, now you have $40, and then you can actually use the promo code money, for, you know, and it's, of course, you'll use the other one. So your 20 and 20 equals the $40, and now you have something that you can roll with. And with some of the one plays that we're about to show you guys, it's going to be worth the investment because you're able to double up, triple up, uh, tens times as much if you hit the four for four or the five for five. It's the way to go um, and, you know, way to really – kind of get your bankroll up and do it. So use the promo code C2C. Uh, I believe it helps you with an NIL membership as well. I believe uh, Chris Moxley was saying that as well. Also, please go check out um, the morning show that's going on as well. You'll have Chris was on there uh, the morning before. Fresh out of COVID, so bless his heart. He's, he did the best he can. Coughed his way through it, but he's showing you where the lines are there. Um, but he's also showing you, hey, you can get the promo code and help with the membership. So please go check that out. But let's move on, boys. It's time to talk week zero. Uh, we have it all lined up here. I decided to go for the five for five. Chris wanted to do the solid two for two. And then we had Ethan go four for four. So this is perfect because now you have three different examples of how you can actually play at price picks and what you're confident in. You're going to see some stuff that looks very similar. Um, and you're also going to see some stuff where we varied a little bit as well. Uh, does anyone want to go first or do you want me to kick it off, boys? Let me go first, Brandon. Let's let you let's let the host rocket start. All right. I feel like I've, I've talked a lot during the intro, but it's OK. I'll, I'll get into it. And then we can go as well. So let's talk about the five for five. This is where uh, I made my money. I mainly did fantasy points um, and I did pretty good. So but at the same time, I only hit that five for five uh, twice total. And I've only hit four out of the five or three out of five. I would say 80 percent of the time. There's a few weeks I just completely lost my money. And one of those moments where uh you might see a, a certain article where you just have some wine and go watch a, a movie and, and cry yourself to sleep that night. So, you know, that happens, right? But at the same time, these are the ones uh, I've uh, I've moved into with talking to these guys and stuff like that. I feel a lot more confident and kind of uh, pushing myself into the rushing and passing yards and receiving yards and stuff like that. So I decided to do that instead. So for me, I'm going to start off with Mr. Mike Wright, the most vanilla name of them all. Uh with the over of 185.5 passing yards, he does take a Hawaii, who is dead last at defense in returning re- production, and they're 106 overall out of 131 teams. That doesn't scream uh, a very good defense or a very good challenge. Even with a struggling Vandy team that can only put up maybe 200 yards on this team, I think that might you know Mike Wright is capable of. It. I think Chris says something that. Mike Wright could probably drop 300 yards on, on Hawaii, you know? So this isn't out of the ram a possibility. It has gone up. I believe Ethan said when it first started, it was 165 or so. Ethan, if you confirm. Yeah. Uh, I want to say it was actually 152.5 when uh, that line dropped. And then it has actually jumped a little bit now. Uh, it's already up to 200.5. So you got in there. Uh, yeah. 185. Not wow. as early as I'd like, but I did get in there. I believe yeah. it was Wednesday morning. So shortly after, yeah. after they raced it. But, hey, I got in there. 15 yards, man. Like I would say, you know, Moxley's done an amazing job, by the way, on like Mm -hmm. posting some of like the comparisons and the the percent differences and stuff. But like some of them are so are so small, but there is enough. Like, you know, this one is like 15 yards. I still like it at 200.5. That's probably the border of like where I would bet it. But yeah, yeah you, I, I like. I think he could ease. I think he could go for three hundred, and it wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, yeah I, I would say if, if it, go ahead, Ethan. Yeah, 
the, yeah, the only thing that kind of scares me off of that number, you know, creeping above 200 is his rushing upside. Um, I'm going to touch on that in a little bit, but I, I start to question, you know, how much of that production is going to, is he going to get on the ground with uh, a defense that isn't experienced and might not be able to uh, contain quite as well. Right. Yeah. I'm going to say if it goes any more of the 200, it's, you know, I'd say it's getting too close to perfect or right at the right amount where we start to want to fade or say, Hey, it's too right. Let's move on to a different prop. Um, but if you're able to get in early, uh, please pat yourself on the back. I think this is a good over and an easy hit. Let's talk about the other quarterback that I chose to go with. I went with Nikosi Perry. Uh, he's very effective with his run game. He's a good, he's a decent dual threat. And uh, just as, as good as was passing, uh, he was easily able to rush. It was only 26 yards against Charlotte last year. I was talking to Ethan off camera. Charlotte hasn't really changed much of how they play, but neither has FAU. If anything, Charlotte's offensive line's gotten a little sketch, but at the same time, that doesn't affect the offense that's playing on the other side of the ball with FAU. So I think this is pretty much, uh, if you're looking at last year, and of course I referenced fan tracks, uh, you know, Nikos Perry went for 26 over them. That's an easy over for me, especially when it was only 9.5. I'm not sure where that's at now. Currently that might've gone up or stayed the same, but if it's at 9.5, if he did 26 on Charlotte, just by just running around basically, and not really forcefully pushing the ball downfield as he was basically scrambling to just gain yardage. I think this is a clear over. What do you guys think on Nikosi Perry hitting over on 9.5? Yeah, we are uh, still at 9.5 as of 7.25 p.m. Central Standard Time on Tuesday. <laughs> so uh, not to not to date us too hard there. But, uh, you know, I like it. Really, I mean, this prop is all about do you think Charlotte's going to be able to sack Perry a few times? Yeah. Um, he's, he's going to rush for more than that. But the sack yardage, um, you know, if he could sack twice, that might come into a little question but i i like this prop i think you know charlotte's defense got torched uh all season last year um so i'm i'm on board with that I, that wasn't one that jumped out at me originally but i i see why you're on it yeah i think you nail it right like i think it comes down to sacks you know sacks come into play with rushing yards and in college and you know i think the times that he has a i think i i wrote about it a little bit for the night slate you know, he went for like 36 plus yards four times in limited action in like two or three times. It was just straight negative. You know, like like he's going to be a productive runner as long as he doesn't get sacked. Um, so, you know, against a team like Charlotte, you're not necessarily as concerned if this was like a, I don't know, I don't know first thing team that comes to my name is like Ole Miss. You know, like a, a solid power five, obviously not Bama, right? But like. Those types of teams, because it's not realistic for them to play them, but that's when you worry about a sack, right? That's when you worry about 25 yards of, of being sacked. So um, I like it, and I like him as a, a, a DraftKings-type play, generally speaking. I think it's really interesting, and we'll probably talk about it a little bit when we get to it. But like, I think that the early slate or the main slate and the night slate is like a completely different quarterback grouping. Um, which is funny because it's like you get these three studs and then you get like Mike Wright, Nikosi Perry, and Chris Reynolds. <laughs> you know, so it's – and I know you love Reynolds, Ethan, but like I, it's just such a funny difference. But, yeah, so it, it should be – I like that one. I don't like it – I don't like Johnny Ford at all, so I'll let you have it, but I do like the Perry one to lead you into that, Brandon. So the Johnny Ford one I thought was an easy win, but, you know, we have heard news that that's going to be a more of a split type situation. However, let me talk about Johnny Ford and what he did to Charlotte last year, because if it ain't broke, 
don't fix it, right? So let me some Johnny Ford with the simple fact that last year he smashed the 49ers for 92 rushing yards and a rushing one uh, touchdown, one reception, that being a 32-yard touchdown. So even if he's sharing the backfield, he might lose some of those touches and maybe some of that yardage. But if he can still receive out of the backfield, I still think the fantasy points are there. He equaled 24.9 fantasy points against Charlotte last year. Of course, that was the middle of the year. So FAU had time to kind of do it. I get it this week zero. Uh, we're seeing a new uh, year of FAU football, basically. But for 16.5, even if he just, uh, you know, I believe this is still one one point PPR versus the 0.5 that we might see at a FanDuel, right? Mm-hmm. But the one point is where, you know, Johnny Fork could still get it done. Only had one reception last year, but it it was a touchdown. So it's an extra seven points to go along with it, right? So as long as Johnny Fork can be near the end zone and be able to be productive, I get it. And we'll talk about the other guy here uh, pretty soon, especially with Chris uh, playing his nice sneaky play there in FanDuel. But, uh, you know, I still think he goes over 16.5. Is a little scarier now. Yeah, a little bit. But I still think with 24.9 and then I'll leave, I believe the – Either the year or the previous year before that, he went another like 15 fantasy points against Charlotte. I, I think this might be a, a, a win for me for Johnny Ford. Seems like you guys might differ a little bit if you want to give me your thoughts there and we can move over to Isaiah Williams after that. I would just say my counterpoint to the the whole like McCammon should be, um, and I wrote about it a little bit. So this is just continuous NIL, you know, promotion here. Um, McCammon is the starter technically, right? But I, I think Johnny Ford, their idea is like Johnny Ford's kind of like a, maybe like a Calvin Turner, you know, like a guy, that, like he's not a big guy. If I had to look, he's probably a really small guy, you know? He's been around forever. He was at USF and was like this dynamic, versatile dude. And now he's at FAU. He was there last year, was productive. He was like crazy productive for the last half of the season. It was awesome. Um, which is funny because I held on to him forever in dynasty leagues and like I finally got paid off, which is probably going to hurt me for like 30 different players in the next five years. But I think it could happen. I just like with prize picks, I don't like if gun to my head, I'd say over. But if like I have to get to a situation where it's a gun to my head, I probably don't bet it. And that's where I made the comment earlier is because I just don't like to make those like we said last week. That's all. Yeah, uh, Chris, I think that's that's kind of where I'm at on it, too. I pulled up the uh, game log from last year. Um, interesting, though, Johnny Ford only had eight carries in the game last year, and he still had 92 yards and a touchdown. Like, just crazy explosive against yeah. a defense that's, that's Charlotte. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Nikosi Perry only had 11 passing attempts and still threw for 225 yards. Like, crazy <laughs> efficiency numbers uh, with all of that. Um, that being said, I mean, Florida Atlantic has split their backfield before. I'm not super turned off by the split as much as I am the number. I think that number is just really banking on his explosiveness, um, which isn't a bad thing because that's his bread and butter. Uh, but I don't want to have to rely on that. With, you need a with touchdown the lines is what you have. need. You know, yeah, because he's and not I a mean, volume guy, so you need yeah. a touchdown. Is the problem there? Yeah, and and with the other plays on the board, I I would have gone elsewhere, but you know, same thing. I I do think he hits the over, but I'm just not comfortable on it. So I looked real quick, Brandon. Mm-hmm. I know we have C2C guys loving height weights, so let's see how much you are on brand. What do you think Johnny Ford's height and weight is per ESPN's page? 
I think Johnny Ford is what five nine, and I bet he's like maybe one seventy soaking wet. Is that pretty close? He's five five one seventy five. Oh, I didn't. He's like a little bowling ball. He is a baby bowling ball. He's that uh, yeah, six yeah. pound weight bowling ball that you get when you like <laughs> trying to get the form right, right? But no, here like Johnny Ford found the end zone twice in two different ways against Charlotte. I, I think he just has Charlotte's number, so I'm gonna go with it. But I wouldn't recommend it to others if it's scaring you, especially with the news of another running back with the or status. So um, for me, I'm still playing Ford, but at the same time. I, I can see where, like I said, I'm a little bit more scared than I was maybe about three days ago when I thought Ford had the backfield by himself, basically, if that made sense for sure. Another just thing that puts me off a little bit more, uh, I know uh, LeJonte Wester is kind of like a gadgety receiver that they've got too. You know, I wonder him being there for another year if he gets some of these passes that maybe Johnny Ford would have gotten. Um who knows? I mean, I'm I'm just coming through that that game log last from last year and see, you know, Wester was utilized, but not really. There's not a lot of hype. Board. There's a lot of hype on him. There is, um, and I have him listed as a, as a guy to consider for FanDuel. Um, so maybe we save it for then. But I I think that FAU passing game has a lot of potential. Um, you know, Nikosi Perry, I don't know if it's true or not, but doesn't it feel like he's been in college for like 14 years? It's Braxton yes. Miller all over again. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's Braxton amazing. Miller 2.0. He was a Miami like back when Michael Vick was in college, I think. <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe, uh, uh, I think he was behind Jalen Hurts. They both went to Ohio State, you know, all that fun stuff, right? All right, so let's move into one of my favorites, and you'll see it on the on the thumbnail. Mr. Zion Bowens of Hawaii. I think he was the the wide receiver probably at Hawaii to kind of target. I went for the 10 fantasy scores, and I think this lines up with Ethan's uh, 3.0 and his receptions. We'll talk about both here. Uh, I think this is a good good one because, you know, Vanderbilt's not much better when it comes to, uh, you know, what we're talking about. They're 119th in FBS power ranking. Uh, according to CFB winning edge. So even if, uh, you know, even if Hawaii starts like three or four wide receivers, I think the way that either Schrager or whoever is that's starting, I think Schrager got the start. If I'm correct, if not, it's an or status. We might see a couple. It doesn't matter. They're going to pepper every which way in the Chang offense. I think Bowens is the beneficiary of it. I believe we saw that he is a starter on the outside and that's very helpful in the Hawaii offense. So, I think 10 fantasy points is good because if, if it's just receptions and then yardage, we're good there. And I think he's over 3.0 receptions. I think he can get probably five, maybe six this game. Uh, what's your thoughts, Ethan? You definitely took the over there as well. So I'm thinking you're in the same mindset as well. Yeah. Um, I don't see how Bowens fails. Um, you know, I – okay, I do see how he fails. The way he fails is if this Hawaii quarterback situation is just – garbage and way worse than we initially expected um that combined with a deep receiver room um makes it you know i i understand a little bit more why they would say that but bowens comes in just completely unchallenged for that number one role in hawaii's system he's the clear deep threat he's the clear veteran in that lineup um i believe i saw on the depth chart he's one of only two receivers who doesn't have an or next to their name. Like there's a lot of uh, fluidity in that room, but he, his, his role is cemented. Um, I, I don't, like I said, I feel like the, the receptions kind of 
in, insures you a little bit against poor quarterback play um, rather than the fantasy points. But at the same time, I mean, he's a deep threat. His ADOT is going to be, I mean, I haven't checked it, but it's, it's got to be pretty, pretty well established. Um, so I, 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 I don't think that the fantasy score is any different than the receptions. I would handle that as well. Yeah, I think for me, I think we're all in agreement. That's a great option. And I think, uh, I'm sorry, I'm doing a draft at the same time. <laughs> I got it happens. It's draft season. Uh, I think, like, for him, he's a big play guy, right, as Ethan said. So, like, yards was at, like, 49 and a half, right? Like, he could literally do that with one catch. Um, I think receptions is great. Like, I think he's going to get 25% maybe better um, in terms of targets and then fancy points. It's kind of a combination. Do you want to just say maybe he catches a 40 yard touchdown and then you don't have to worry about it, right? Like all those are in the realm of, of possibilities. Uh, I would lean with just the straight receptions because three gets me a push and three feels so low, but I think all three of them are, are great. And I think that like the coaching staff is all they've done is hype them up. Like, and they have nobody else. Like Brandon, I think, or uh, Ethan, like the knock, I did like this little knock on wood thing because I think there really isn't a way, knock on wood, for him to not hit at least one yeah. of them. Um, but like, I think the only way it happens is if they go, like the quarterback goes like eight for 32, yeah. eight for 28 passing. And like, is that possible? Yeah, but it's Timmy Chang. So maybe it's 14 for 50, you know, it's like, Timmy and we Chang get, like, and- and we've got the offensive coordinator Eric Morris. They're they're throwing that ball. Yeah, so it's wheels up for sure. It's a good one for sure. Yep. So let's move on to Isaiah Williams here real quick, and then we'll move on to some of the other guys here. So fun story, Isaiah Williams. I picked him up freshman year because he had the dual eligibility. So at the time of what Brandon Peters and the few other guys, they were just going down with injuries left and right. So I literally thought Isaiah Williams was going to wind up either play a quarterback or at least you could throw him in a quarterback spot as he you know, would catch passes, stuff like that. Turns out he was still just a young guy, him and Chase Brown both, and they were just getting used to Illinois as, as freshmen. So they weren't zero uh, – as Austin calls it, they weren't zero factors in their freshman year. They were actually pretty decently productive, but not enough to be on a fantasy roster and playing in a spot weekly. So thought I was being smart there, just didn't pan out. So it's a fun story. Here we go around Isaiah Williams, I believe. A uh, few years now, him and Chase Brown are the reliable ones there at Illinois. They're the ones that have been talked about a lot as a beneficiary of the Illinois system and being used a lot. So 11.5 fantasy points is, I don't, I think that should, I believe that might've gone up. I'd have to ask Ethan here and see if it's gone up since then, which what's the, what's the goal now? I think it's 12 and a half. Is okay. it 12 and a half already? No, I, I still have 11 and a half, but I might. Not okay. So they didn't move it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I'd still, if you can smash that, if you could, I think he can easily hit a 16 point fantasy points, especially against Wyoming. Uh, Wyoming is not, you know, anything to, to write home about. In fact, they are 125th as far as overall production coming back from their defense. So needless to say, there's a lot of new faces at Wyoming, a lot of getting and gelling. Yes, they've had the spring and summer, but when you play together for three plus years, it's a different story, uh, especially with upperclassmen. So I think Isaiah Williams is going to be all over the field, catching a bunch of passes, and if anything, racking up yards. Even if he doesn't see the end zone, which you hope, if so, that's seven points, you're only, you know, three and a half points away at that point. That's not bad at all. Uh, so I think he does get in the end zone, but if he doesn't, I mean, I think he can do it on receptions and yards alone. So I think this is a breaker and I took that to complete my flex five, which are the guys thoughts on Williams before we move into some, uh, some 
Temple or some Texas El Paso and some Wyoming love. Yeah, I like uh, I like Isaiah. Um, I always confuse him with the other Isaiah Williams that was there at Illinois. Juice, Juice, Juice Williams. Oh yeah. my god! <laughs> yeah. well, if um, he's anywhere near as good as Juice, then oh yeah, then you Juice should just literally like spend this money already, Brandon. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, for um, sure. I did like the line. I, I it did open at ten and a half. Um, so I, I mean, obviously that one point is more favorable. Um, I I still would hit the eleven and a half. Um, the only thing that worries me is Brett Bielema. Um, but I know Moxley had said a few things in the the Discord about how they really want to feature um, Isaiah Williams uh, this year. I mean, he's their they're really their only wide receiver target that can make any noise. Um, so I'm I'm pretty comfortable on it. I think Wyoming may. I mean, Wyoming seems like the kind of defense that's going to try and sell out to stop the run because they're hashtag gritty. Um, but I mean, if you if you think that that's the way it's going to go, maybe maybe Juice gets a, a few. Juice Junior gets a few uh, deep balls early. I, I Juice Junior. That's a good name. I am staying away from it in part because I didn't get it super early. But I don't know, man. This just feels like one of those games where Wyoming might just like Bobby Boucher it and like kneel it and just let the defense win or something. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's an interesting situation. There, it's Illinois, so like I never feel confident betting on a team named Illinois. The, the main takeaway against Wyoming, though, is just the mass exodus that Craig Bowl had this mm. offseason with everybody leaving. It makes me think that there's a cultural a culture issue there, um, and that there's a it, it, they're not really playing for for Bowl. Um, but who knows? I mean, if you ask Craig Bowl, he'll say that. The reason why they left is because they didn't fit. And the guys who has now is a perfect fit. Yeah, you you should we'll save see. that that segment for Andrew Katz from Burning <laughs> Retro because, like, I mean, he's been all over that. That they, everybody left. Great point. Everybody left. Got to be a culture issue. And uh, yeah, that Wyoming season could be a dumpster fire easily. Easily, I'd be surprised honestly if it wasn't. So taking a look at we, you know, we had a chance to look at Wyoming's depth chart today, and it was very unpleasing to my eyes but the one standout and the guy that i'll segue to is mr titus swin returning as the starting running back with no or behind him as well he is the guaranteed starter and the only one i really uh recognized from the previous year as well so that had something to do with it as well but mr titus swin chris you have him over here i believe at the 59.5 rushing yards i think that's very yeah. doable uh you know what's I your mean, thoughts there i mean that's a good running back I mean, he's going to get 15. I have him at over 15 carries, and that con- feels conservative to me. He's a five yards per carry guy. I think I have him somewhere around 75 in terms of yardage. I mean, that feels conservative. Like, the only thing – and it, the thing is, right, like, Illinois is going to get up. What does Wyoming do when they're losing? Do they just panic and throw? That would be my concern. Otherwise, like, Swen pushed Valaday last year. Like, Valaday didn't get – the the heavy amount of carries that I thought he would. And part of that was because Titus Swin has been an awesome running back in college. I mean, he's like a fourth or fifth rounder in best balls. I really think he's a good running back, obviously. Like, but like saying I'm going to go 60 yards or better doesn't even mean that because that's not that much. <laughs> it's crazy. That feels like a crazy line to me. Yeah, it's definitely a, a favorable line. I think that line definitely has jumped since it, it broke. But 
Um, the only thing that, you know, I'm, I'm here playing devil's advocate on a lot of these. The only thing that scares me off of that a little bit is that Bielema's teams tend to play their best football when they have more than a week to prepare for it. Um, I know last season they came out, they beat Nebraska week one. Um, I pulled up the game log there uh, outside of Adrian Martinez, who's kind of a, when things break down, I'm going to make something happen player. Um, I mean, the Nebraska running backs combined for like doing quick math here, like 40 yards total. Um, so it's, it's interesting. I, I still think that this is a, a playable line. Um, you really just need Swain to break off one. Um, I expect him to get mm-hmm. 24, 25 carries in this game. Um, and you're expecting average three yards. Can he do that? Of course he can. So where do you, like out of curiosity, where would you rank him compared to Nebraska running backs? Oof. Um, Irvin Grant, Ramir Johnson. I, I think, those are the think big three. I think he is better. I would take a Nebraska offensive line over him, though, over what he's yeah. playing behind. Yeah, so. I would agree with that. I agree. I think he's more skilled, but I think the the offense in general is going to be a step behind Nebraska. I also think that they are going to run him into the ground this year. I mean, he is the only offensive weapon that's even remotely scary. Hey, give me 22 carries for 66 yards. That's yeah, I, I mean, that's – yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I think Swen's going fairly high in CFF ranking, too, if I'm not mistaken, as far as running backs, just because of the usage alone. So if we're talking about usage, this also applies to CFF and your starting lineups and stuff like that, as you'll see the guys start talking week one and things like that as well. So let's move into uh, UTEP. And, uh, you know, this will lean into some of Chris's uh, when we do some line play here at the end of the show. But Tyron Smith of uh, the wide receiver there, you got him over uh, the projected fantasy score of 10 points. Why do you like Smith there at UTEP? So I like him just like Zion. I like him in all three. I like him yards, which is around 50. I like him in receptions, which is three and a half. Um, he is the number one guy for UTEP. Not even close. He, his contention is a seventh-year receiver who's listed as a backup and uh, just a random junior that maybe saw 24 targets yet last year. Um, I have like receiver one for UTEP. You're going to get, tw- I think it's like 28, 29% usage. You see those guys last year. They were awesome. That's cowing and Justin Garrett, right? Like receiver one and receiver two were awesome there, right? Last year. So love that aspect to it. Hardison's a, a veteran. Is he going to throw for 300? No. Did we need him to? No. Like 50 yards is nothing. Right. Um, and it's North Texas. Like I think, I know that that's a C2C team there. Like we're all on the bandwagon and I am too, in terms of like, I love a lot of their offensive players, Um, but like, they're going to give up points. Like, let's be real. Like their, their defense was average last year. I think they were literally like 61st against the run last year. I mean, in terms of yards per carry, I don't remember what they were against the pass, but I think, you know, they've been hyping him up all off season. I think like for him to get three and a half, I think it's three and a half, right? Catches and then 10 points and like something like 50 yards. I think all yeah. three of them are great options. How, how many, uh, how many times do you think UTEP's going to be throwing the ball? That would be, that'd be, that'd be the devil's advocate. I think, let me see if I can pull it up real quick. It's not a ton. And I'll, I'll lay out what it, yeah, while you're looking it up, I'll lay out my, my train of thought on that. So 
Deion Hankins and Ronald Awat uh, are in the backfield. Um, Hankins on fan tracks has some, some dual eligibility wide receiver running back, which I think is kind of comical. I don't think he's going to be catching the ball that much, but maybe he'll surprise me. Um, I am just kind of curious. I'm, North Texas, we picked on North Texas defenses for the past few years. They play up-tempo on offense and get a lot of plays, which means you're going to leave a lot of meat on the bone for the other side of the ball as well. So, But Phil, Phil Bennett, I believe, is their defensive coordinator um, who had some time at Baylor when they were um, nationally relevant. So I'm, I'm a little bit worried that North Texas's defense may be getting better. Um, I know they had a big uh, middle linebacker who was – he entered the portal for like two or three days. Um, he's a, an all-conference um, USA linebacker. Um, and he was persuaded after three or four days to come back. So um, I feel like they might be cooking something up on defense that is competitive. Um, but I, I think this, this – line is well in play um again though i mean garrett and cowing were kind of outliers they're kind of the first utep offensive weapons to really jump out at wide receiver so i'm, I'm wondering i'm wondering how talented uh, tyron smith is if i'm honest i have them at 30 passing attempts to 38 rush attempts so okay. it, they're definitely going to be um they're definitely Definitely going to be run heavy, and that's like yes. their best strengths, right? Like Awad and and Hankins are awesome, and they're yeah. both healthy and, now, right? Like Hankins played through a shoulder injury all last year. Awad came in and, and was very good, and yeah. Hankins struggled and still was decent. So, um, yeah, I I I just feel I feel very I have a lot riding on Tyron Smith. So yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, I'm not wrong here. I like it. And I mean, by, by your estimations, then we're expecting maybe like six or seven targets for, for Smith. So I think 10 points is easy on that. He was to say that's very close to the 10 point average. So that's not too bad at all. All right. Ethan wrap us up with the Jordan Travis and David Davis uh, picks that you have going on here. Yeah. Um, I'm going to touch on Mike, Wright Just a little bit too, with his rushing upside. I think that he is, um, I mean, he's going to be the fastest guy on the field. He can be a huge headache for Hawaii. Um, I'm mad that I didn't get this line sooner. It was at 24 and a half. Um, it's now at 29 and a half. Uh, so again, I mean, it kind of plays into the Nikosi Perry situation. Sacks are going to be the, the main thing. If Hawaii can get some sacks, that's going to be an under. Um, as far as Jordan Travis, uh, I touched on it last week, so I'm not going to spend too much time here. I think Jordan Travis at uh, 214 and a half is easy, easy over. Um, I think Micah Pittman is going to have at least one 30-yard big play, explosive play. Um, And I think that they're going to be able to get his confidence up moving forward with the LSU game next week. Um, I think they're going to want to see him throw for 250 yards to say, hey, you can do this. You're the guy who we're starting on. We're going to lean on you. You've got it. And then that Daywood Davis line, um, the Travis line and the Davis line have moved a little bit. Travis jumped up 10 yards to 224 and a half. Uh, Daywood Davis's fantasy points is now at 15 and a half. Um, so they are climbing, climbing, climbing. Um, I'm not sure if anybody's touching that Austin Reed line now at 350 and a half uh, in passing yards. Um, just 
wild that they're projecting that, but I mean, it's, we've been saying it all off season, 70% of Bailey Zappi's production is still incredible production. Um, so I, I like that David Davis line at 13 and a half. I prefer him to Corley this week. We'll probably talk about that a little bit more in our, uh, DraftKings segment. Um, but yeah, I, I think that 13 and a half is an easy over. If you guys have any thoughts or uh, concerns there, let me know. Um, and I can only hope that 350 actually happens just for our, uh, our stake in DFS, but uh, if I'm going to bet on it, heck no. Uh, yeah, that's a, no, that. thank you. Uh, just like I'm not touching downs at 19 fantasy points. That's just no for me, dog. That's just not how, it, that's how it's going to down. Do we want the production? Yes, please. Uh, and I do think Daywood is a good one to sleep on. I also think now that Hall's getting a lot of love, that's another good one that we can possibly talk about, whereas we haven't seen much uh, from Matheson, which is interesting because he did fairly well last year as the wide receiver three, so hopefully he gets back to it. Um, but, yeah, I love the 13.5. I hate that it's 15.5. That's where it gets a little scary. But 13.5, you did yeah, great by know. smashing when you could, and so I think it's an over for sure. Any other thoughts, boys, before we move on? Well, let's talk DFS. Think, let's get into yes. this. He's like, let's get to the good stuff. Yeah, let's get to the good stuff. All right, boys, it's time to bank on him. Of course, it's presented by DraftKings and FanDuel. Of course, this is our DFS a lineups go along with it, and we're going to start with DraftKings. Um, a lot of us have a lot of fairly of the same plays, and we can talk about that and things like that, but uh, we have a different, I guess, theory to kind of go along with how we decided to go along with it. Uh do do you, know, you guys want to kick it off first, or do you want me to start it off again? I, why don't I start it? Because I went, sure, I went pretty good. chalky. So and you then did, but... can, and then you guys talked a little bit. I think you guys are going a little bit more different on the pivots, which I think is awesome. Um, so my lineup is the middle one here. It's got Logan Bonner and Reed at quarterbacks, uh, Trayshawn Ward, Aiden Robbins at running back, and then I have basically just double stacked Western Kentucky and Utah State. I don't think this wins a tournament. This is a great cash lineup, right? Like Van Llewellyn, uh, Van Lewin and Brian Cobbs are great Utah State options. Malachi Corley, David Davis, great Western Kentucky options. Um, I think just I think the only talking points really for me. Let's see which ones are different. You didn't go Corley. You did not either. Okay, so Malachi Corley to me. Let's like that's the difference between the uh, the three lineups. I think he's the number one. I don't think he's going to put up Stearns type numbers. I think that's like a one in a, that's like a one in a hundred, right? Like that's a rarity, but I think he's going to get significant numbers. He feels like the most sure thing in 7,600 is not much when you have some of these cheaper options to help you out with Van Lewin, Davis and Robbins. So to me, that's a safe bet. I hope I'm way overweight on him. Like, to me, that's a guy that should be 80% owned. Like, that feels like a no-brainer to me. So, in terms of that, right, like, if you look at the receiver one for Utah State, Brian Cobbs, there's some uncertainty there, right? Like, he comes from Maryland. He's brand new, right? There's Justin McGriff, who's had some pretty decent success in the offense. Um, And then Van Leeuwen has, like, really been awesome in the offseason. He's also a slot receiver, Whereas I think Cobbs is a little bit more outside. Um, so like there's some reason to like shade or be scared of uh, of uh, Brian Cobbs. To me, there's none to be scared of with Corley. So that's yeah, my analysis. I, I get the Corley uh, 
the Corley hype. Um, I think the big thing there is that uh, Matheson is the guy who's behind Corley and um, Hall is behind Davis. Uh, honestly, we'll probably see all four of them on the field at the same time for most of the game. Um, but there's, there's similar roles. Corley's, you know, that slot guy, uh, same as Hall, um, Davis and uh, I'm sorry, Davis and Hall are the, the X outside guys, uh, while Corley and Matheson are the inside guys. Um, I think my reason why I'm more, I'm going to be more heavily exposed to Davis, um, is just, it comes down to Austin Reed's style versus what Bailey Zappi was last year. Um, I feel like like Stearns, I mean, first of all, Stearns and Zappi from their Houston Baptist days, that was their connection. They had the rapport. That was was what they were going to do. They also complemented each other extremely well. Zappi, I mean, he is he got drafted by the Patriots because he is a Patriots quarterback. He is going to be consistent on the underneath throws, and he is going to find the open receiver, and he's going to take care of the football um, as much as you can in a Zach Kittley offense. Um, so I, I like uh, Davis as more of a, an Austin Reed, let it rip kind of quarterback. Um, I think that the deep ball may be a little bit more prevalent. Um, not that Corley can't get those, you know, down the seam and things, but I feel like stereotypically you get the, the outside receiver as the deep threat, uh, the big body guy as the deep threat. Um, the only thing that makes me kind of not hate the play, but I, I dislike it a little bit on Davis is that Davis is just so mispriced on DraftKings. Yeah. He is going to be 80% owned by everyone um, because they're going to want a piece of the Western Kentucky offense. Um, so I don't necessarily know if – I don't know if my lineup – I'm looking at my lineup right now, and I don't know if that's a feasible lineup only playing one. If you're only playing one, you're playing quarterly. If you're playing multiple, I think – Davis makes sense because I think that he does have the higher upside. Um, but I mean, we, we still just don't know so much about how Western Kentucky is going to disperse it. Um, so, I mean, I'm glad we get to see them week zero for my, my CFF lineups and mm-hmm. being able to wait to, to roll him out. But um, it'll, it'll be, it'll be fun. We're, we are very much, I think, I was looking at this stuff when I was creating projections and writing the, uh, the article for this week. Like, and it's the same thing with Utah state. And then I think it, it's like Van Leeuwen is a very much comparable conversation with David Davis. Right. Like I think Corley is the number one, but like last year there was a clear number one. And then there was a big drop off and pretty much everybody. There was, I think two, at least two, probably, I think it was three, receivers that essentially had the same uh, targets and Utah state or Western Kentucky, Western Kentucky and Utah state. Um, And that's why it's kind of like, you know, I, okay. So I'm looking at right now, Tinsley and Corley both had 94, 93. And then David Davis, who was the receiver for had 61. Um, So like there was a small drop off, but like that's in the, the the point is more like the two, three is going to be the guessing game. Are we getting the two, the three, it's a it's tough in if we're both thinking that like David Davis is going to be that massively higher on guy we don't really know so just go for the lower owned guy the problem yeah. is the lower owned guy is Matheson who I think we all agree is like that 3 probably and we've felt zero vote of confidence 
think he's four. Jalen Hall. Yeah. Jalen Hall, though, is the thing is like Jalen Hall. The only person that said anything about Jalen Hall is Hannah from C2C. And I haven't seen anything online about Jalen Hall. So we're pretty much just banking on Hannah. That's what we're doing. Jalen Jalen Hall has been the Western Kentucky guy that I've been after from the from the get-go in the offseason. He was the guy who I said, hey, he's done it at G5 level before and shown some explosiveness. He's shown that spark at Western Michigan. Um, then, you know, we have our, our we have Hannah, our Western Kentucky uh, insider, uh, ta- and she was talking up Corley and Daywood uh, for, gosh, two months now. Um, so I mean, I feel like Davis and Corley are going to be the one and the two, but I mean, you've got a great opportunity getting some leverage on the field if you feel comfortable playing Jalen Hall at. Gosh, what I don't even know what his salary was. Like sixty six hundred, which yeah, further does it? Yeah, it I don't know. See, the there's a lot of com- there's uh, to me like there's a lot. It's very comparable. Like Matheson, we've heard nothing really of Jalen Hall. We haven't really heard anything of, and both of them were really good at Max schools last year. Yeah. And I mean, like you catch anything at Akron, that's a good season. <laughs> So, like, yeah. and now he's in Western Kentucky. So, why have we not heard about Matheson? Why have we heard nothing about Matheson? Makes no sense. So, but I don't know. This is, like, heard... literally, I'm going to lose sleep over this thing. Have we heard – okay, so I'm, I want to dig full into this. Have we heard that much about Corley and Davis, or are we just projecting from they've been – they've had the usage last year? I think there could be a reason that we haven't heard that much about the transfer guys is because – we just haven't heard that much out of Western Kentucky, but we are scrounging for stuff to talk about because they're so explosive. I think the Corley thing is a little bit based off of production last year and yeah. just some beat writer, some basic beat writer talk. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's not a great situation, right? Like, what do see, we, this, this is, is, the this problem, is why right? I love week zero. What do we believe because- in? What do we not? Whose quotes matter? Who don't? Who do we ignore? Who do we believe? Like every coach, every beat writer, it feels like, yeah, I don't listen to that guy, but I do listen to that guy, but I don't (laughs) listen to that. You know, like it just feels, and you know, I don't blame anybody. It's a whirlwind of craziness. And I mean, if we're, we've got to be careful basing it off of last season too, because we know that our buckle is going to be running Kitley's offense, but it's, it's not Kitley's offense. Exactly. I mean, Arbuckle's going to be doing a little bit of his own thing. He wants to, you know, show his flair as well. Um, that's why I, I, I tend to lean on quarterback tendencies. And I know we don't know a whole bunch about Austin Reed, but from what we've heard is that he does fit that gunslinger mentality um, a little bit more than uh, rest in peace, Jarrett Dagey. He is indeed uh, a guy that makes your butthole clench. He is he is the quintessential gunslinger made out of the West, just in Western Kentucky, not the Wild Wild West. Let's let's pivot real quick because I want to talk about yeah. a running back that we have on all three of our rosters, and he, I think he's the sneaky play of, of the week, and that is Mr. Robbins there of UNLV, the running back. Uh, great reports coming out of uh, camp of him, and uh, I don't know if we've seen an official depth chart roster, but I believe he is the quote-unquote starter or the one that we can see having the most production along with it. Do you think because he's 3,300, just because we're all like-minded that he is going to have a high high usage just like one of the others? Or do you think 
he is the reason why a lot of people are going to be near the top, you know, 25 trying to hit the money and stuff like that. What's your thoughts on Robbins this week? I think that Robbins is going to be the most second most known player on this slate. I think Daywood Davis mm-hmm. is going to be number one. And I think Aiden Robbins is going to be number two. Um, I think we need to start accepting that the college football daily fantasy community is sharper than they were and they have been. Um, we are at an all-time high in media coverage for this stuff. I mean, we've got the three of us taking time out of our week to talk on a podcast about this because there is interest in the sport and there is more coverage than there ever has been. Um, that Robbins article uh, that came out this week about how he has really shined uh, the past few weeks and how he's risen to the top of the depth chart, it's the first thing that comes up when you search UNLV running back or Aiden Robbins. Um, they they know. <laughs> this is not a secret to anybody. Yeah. Um, that being said, at 3,300, I mean, he can get 10 carries for 50 yards and a touchdown and smash his 3.3K. Um, and Idaho State is very, very bad. They have allowed uh, – I think they only allowed under 350 total uh, yards per game um, twice last season. One of those was against Idaho, which has to be, like, the lowest FCS uh, school as well. Um, I used to love Idaho, man. Oh, yeah, the Kibbe Dome is great, man. Yeah. So good. Also, uh, sidebar, Idaho State has a great arena as well. When they play Idaho, they call it the Battle of the Dome uh, because they both have these really small, eccentric domes that they play in. But whatever. Um, Yeah, Robbins is a smash. Uh, Give me all of that. I think that UNLV offense is well in play. Yeah. So let's let's talk about – and it looks like uh, we have a little bit of the same mindset when it comes to Ethan as well. Let's talk about, you know, going to Dublin and talking about Nebraska facing Northwestern. Now, Ethan, you're the Big Ten specialist, so I trust you there being the Penn State guy. And I know that Chris, you know, watching Michigan, he's seen this plenty of times as well. But what do you think about Nebraska in a stack? I think it was a good zag as people are zigging towards Western Kentucky. Uh, I think you can find a lot of value. I decided to play some wide receivers like Cobbs, like Wilson, you know, and thrown in Brown as like a solid chalk play to kind of give me the same production while banking on uh, the the legs and arms of Casey Thompson, uh, Johnson being so versatile. My, one of my favorite stacks is the stack, the quarterback, the running back that I think can have the most production and the top wide receiver. So I was able to fit in Trey Palmer there. I see you got uh, bets over there uh, on yours, Ethan. So I thought that was pretty cool and a sneaky play at 3,300. Why do you like bets as far as your stack versus saying going with uh, Johnson overall? Yeah, so this is definitely a tournament lineup. Um, I wanted to kind of lean a little bit away from the chalk. Uh, you know, Utah State, Western Kentucky is going to be very smart double stack um i went with bets mainly out of necessity i mean i had 3500 left and he was the last to fill in um but his profile is kind of interesting when we see a new quarterback go to a team i am always intrigued with um you know what's that going to do to the guys down the depth chart a little bit more um i think xavier Betts has flashed a few times but he's never been able to get it all together Um, If I'm correct, I believe he had some injury issues his first uh, year in Lincoln. Um, And then last year, I mean, Adrian Martinez, Hasman Martinez, he struggles getting the ball downfield. I think Casey Thompson is a great fit for what Whipple's going to do. And I know Whipple's offense last year was able to support um, 
uh, gosh, um, Addison and Jared Wayne and uh, Tree Tipton from time to time. Uh, I think there was another one. Um, that Taser Mac, Shockey. old school. Yeah, Taser Mac. Oh yeah, yeah, Mac. I remember. Yeah. Um, so I mean, they've had some guys, some peripheral options that have been able to get the production. Um, if we expect Whipple to be throwing the ball. And if we're playing Thompson, we expect them to be throwing the ball and for Whipple's offense to be dominating. Um, and then pivoting away from Palmer opens up a little bit. I've got a double stack right there with Palmer and Betts. I think, um, you know, we have zeroed in on Trey Palmer because he's the flashy transfer. Um, but Omar Manning is a solid receiver that they have as well. And I think Digger Betts uh, is going to complement and be a little bit of a hybrid between the two. I think Manning's going to be a little bit more of a possession guy. Um, and Betts is going to be, you know, the, the in-between between Palmer and, and Manning. But Palmer is definitely taking the top off of the defense. Maybe Betts finds a few, you know, down the seam. But uh, I, like, I like him at value there, but that is a strict tournament player for sure. Chris, what do you think of they used Betts a little bit on the ground a little bit with, like, some reverses yeah. and stuff. I think he has, like – He's got to have a 40 or 50 yard run or maybe even touchdown run in his career. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I do like Palmer Thompson as like a pivot from one of the, the more highly owned ones. Um, I don't, I'm not necessarily on Xavier bets, but like, I mean, you're not gonna, you have to differentiate a little bit, right? Like yeah. maybe you're going expensive at running back and you've yeah. also had Robbins as well, but there's some differentiation there where, you know, if Robbins is high owned, you still have some, some uniqueness to it. I think Chase Brown, which you both have, uh, and I mentioned in the article, is an awesome, awesome tournament play. And it's strictly because Bielma loves to to pound the run. Last year, everybody was on Chase Brown, and he was, like, suspended for a half. And we have no idea why still to this day. It's very weird. Um, So, I mean, he's going to – he could – I wouldn't be surprised if he had, like, 25, 30 carries. And he might only average four yards per carry, but he could easily have three touchdowns. Like, none of that – Yeah, I mean, he's got 40-point upside. For sure. Yeah. So, especially against Wyoming, right? Like, because Illinois is just bad enough to, like, be good – better than Wyoming, but, like, not that much better where they're still in the game. They're going to be leading the whole time. They do have a good – a decent to good group of running backs, but – I think Brown is like the fun tournament play and like kind of what you were saying with Jalen Hall, Ethan, is that like his price point is like pretty high. So you're going to have to sacrifice somewhere to go him. Um, And in this, in this scenario, like you should see a a decently low owned Brown, which I'm a fan of. Yeah. That's kind of my mindset with this one, you know, I, with this build, I'm expecting Austin Reed to go off. I'm expecting Casey Thompson to do enough to put up a Jordan Travis or a Logan Bonner type performance. I'm expecting between 25 and 30 points from him. Um, and then trying to get an advantage in a 4v4, essentially, with Tyler Brown, Betts, and uh, Davis as the guys, or Palmer, rather, not Davis, as the guys who likely will be a little bit lower owned, but won't be attainable in a lineup if you jam in Bonner and, uh, you know, Van Lewin or um, McGriff or somebody like that. So that's the mindset there. I think Tyler, I mean, 
if you're not playing Utah State wide receivers and quarterbacks, you need to play Tyler because they're going to score points and they've got to come from somewhere. So it's a little bit of game theory, you know, expecting to get leverage based on the uh, based on on where I think the public's going um, and in turn getting some low owned studs, I think so. So I'm going to really quickly cut you off, Brandon. I wasn't sure what's up with Xavier Betts. He might not be on the team, by the way. Oh. Um, he left the team in March. I just looked it up. End of March, there was a comment from Scott Frost that he's no longer on the – he's not currently on the team, and I haven't heard anything else since. And I want to say if there was a depth chart, he was not on it. So just a friendly Riddle. heads up to, to those listening and watching. Like, that might not actually – Yes, if you find Crazy, the chart, he was, please he was, post it so we can see. Then that makes yeah, sense why Ramir Johnson is getting more run as a wide receiver than as a running back. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Definitely so, in, in favor of that. Yeah. So I want to talk about real quick because it looks like me and Chris had similar ones where we were looking for filler but not too expensive, and we looked at Florida State. So I went with Wilson at wide receiver. You went with Ward at uh, running back, which I think is a pretty good play. Uh, I'll go first. I think Wilson, he was uh, the one that has the most experience with Travis coming in from Florida State overall. Wilson had okay uh, production. Uh, you saw the fantasy points per game. I think that's projection. But uh, when I looked on fan tracks, he had around like 10 fantasy points per game. Nothing crazy or anything like that, right? But he has the most experience with Travis. I think he's – though we know Micah Pittman is the – you know, he's the, the stud. He's the one with the most pedigree, you know, moving over. I think he gets that thing. But I think when push comes to shove, not saying that Jordan Travis is going to really have any issues with uh, with our FCS friends over there or anything like that. But if he's looking for a safety valve for something to dump it off with, I think Wilson's got the chance to do it. So he was my pivot so that I could, you know, force uh, Brown in there and get the bigger guys like Reed and Palmer and Cobbs in there as well. Uh, but I do like Ward at 6,100. Tell me, Chris, why'd you pick Ward? Uh, you know, I think he is a projected starting running back, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. If not, he's, I, he's sharing. But what's your thoughts there? It's like a 1A, 1B. I like him a lot more on DraftKings than FanDuel. His FanDuel price is higher. He's also effective in the passing game, which is always a benefit on DraftKings, right? Like the PPR can't hurt. Um, but I think like he should get, I have him at just over two targets. I have him at like 92 rushing yards on 13, to, 13 attempts. Yeah. He's going to have some big plays, um, but it's spam you, right? Like there's no reason for FSU not to do awesome. The, the concern would be Jordan Travis just takes it all up. Right. Uh, which he can, he's effective at the goal line. You know, I'm not worried about Trey Benson. I think Trey Benson's a solid play. I don't, I don't love him. He's, he's priced higher, but, you know, Ward's shown to be effective. He was good last year. I wrote that he had two catches in eight games last year as a backup to – um, who was that? What was his name? The backup uh, – the starting running back for FSC last year, the huge game against Notre Dame, and then he kind of did nothing the rest of the way. Uh, but he was a backup, right? And he still was fairly effective. Uh, it was so uh, Corbin, I, right? Jason yeah, Corbin. Jason Corbin. That's who it was. Thank you. Um, so I like him. I, I like the 6,100 price point. It's probably going to be enticing to many, but you know, I'm sorry. He, they play uh, Duquesne. I say Duquesne because it's just funny that way, but same thing, right? Same type of, of matchup with uh, Duquesne there as FAMU. So, you know, I, I don't know if, if pairing him with, uh, with Travis is the brightest idea, but like 
considering the price point of Ward, it, it could certainly work out just fine. Yeah, I didn't really want to do a stack or anything of FSU, but I thought it was a good filler, especially Ward and Wilson. I think those are pretty decent plays. Um, any last thoughts before we move to FanDuel? Because I know it's a little bit different pricing, so we got to talk about that. But Yeah, just a quick similar. thing on F- FSU uh, running backs. Um, Duquesne lost their starting or their their leading six tacklers uh, on their defense from last season. So I think logic tells us that big plays are going to happen. So I like that word play a lot. So he's saying wheels up for Mr. Ward there. All right, guys, let's move into FanDuel. Um, And the main thing I wanted to say is that the pricing is a lot more steep on the players that we really, really loved. Uh, So for me, I wanted to pivot back to a cheaper QB option. So that's where I took a look and I was like, you know what? I think Chris is on to something. I think if we played Bonner, we played Cops together. That's a really good one. That opened up for me to do Reed. Of course, I was able to get Corlean with this one and Davis. I took Robbins. He's 7,300, so he's a lot steeper. So please keep that in mind between FanDuel and DraftKings. That is a big deficit, which I don't understand. I don't know if that's going to change before you know we hit Saturday or what's going to happen. And, of course, uh, Roshan is still 5,300, so he's he was only $100 less. So I was able to kind of make that happen. For me, this is where, yeah, it's chalky, but at the same time, like FanDuel, I just find it to where, you know, unless it's like us and the guys that are, you know, been doing this for a little while, um, not a lot of people are just going to go with something – like this they're going to try to pivot and the cool thing is the one that i put in for is the free one you can do up to three entries so uh you know a little note i did one with a stack of charlotte i did reynolds i did dubose i even threw in uh shedrick bird even though the offensive line of charlotte is but if he's a pass catching running back that's not terrible he might just be running for his life we just hope he runs for positive yards instead of negative yards um but you know there's there's ways you can play it in different stacks that you can do for me i wanted to put in one lineup and that's the one i wanted to share where i was just really confident where i was like i could probably still place I might not hit the mega one, but I could still come out with a really good chunk of money if we went this route. What do you guys think of this one? And it seems like we have similar picks here kind of as we as we move into the FanDuel section. What are you guys' thoughts? Yeah, um, I, I think the big thing, Ramir Johnson, uh, you mentioned he is a little bit cheaper um, on FanDuel accordingly. They get rid of that extra flex spot in FanDuel, um, which forces some harder decisions. Uh, I'm a little bit less into full team stacks in FanDuel because of that, um, because you can't run it back with somebody from the other side if you really like, you know, two of the guys. You, and then if, if you do run it back with that other receiver spot, then you can't stack with your second quarterback in the super flex. So um, some de- definitely some lineup construction uh, uh, strategy that you have to consider with FanDuel. Um I thought that uh, Renew Johnson's still a good play despite only getting half a point per reception um, on FanDuel versus uh, DraftKings. Uh, I love Grant DeBose. I'm glad he's in the main slate here. That's uh, going to be how I kind of differentiate with what's from the DraftKings. I think DeBose is going to smash. Um, and then I went with the guys who I think are going to be the uh, alphas, both big body receivers. I think both are red zone uh, options more so than their peers on the team. Um, so that's that's kind of my thought process through all of that. Yeah, the Johnson Ramir Johnson's interesting, right? Like he's just so, he's cheaper on FanDuel, right, than he is on DraftKings, and like that's like really saying something considering the price, like how pricing works on both. Um, 
I, the half point PPR. It, I'm just I don't know what they're gonna do with him. Is he a slot guy? Is he a Kelvin Turner? Is he just getting hyped up and we'll see two targets and three carries? Like all of those are possible, but he should be. I think like there's no reason for him not to be loaned. Um, which hey, if you're gonna make a you know take a chance like that's you have to have him be low owned. Um, we have a lot of similar type uh, build besides that. I went Larry McCammon instead. I don't love it, but it's just so cheap that like if he truly is in fact the the RB one for them, like there should be points scored. You know, bigger body guy Johnny Ford's not going to steal the the goal line touchdown. So, you know, I I don't hate it considering what I built afterwards. Uh, and I think my one note on this is like that 7,000 ish type area is really interesting. You have Wester, you have McGriff, as Ethan put together on his lineup. There's Ricky, De- uh, Ricky White. Let me see who else I put here. There's uh, Jalen Hall. And there's also Pittman from FSU. And, and Ethan had mentioned earlier that he thinks like a big play is possible. I don't like Pittman on DraftKings. Um, but like it's 7k on FanDuel, like I, I'm a lot more intrigued by that. And I think all of them are great tournament options. It's more a matter of which one are you like feeling, which one do you, you know, have that gut feeling with. So I think, I think my lineups again, going to be a little bit more chalky. I think the differentiation would be like Trayshawn Ward at 9k is like, you're banking on him having a good game for sure. Right. Cause there's other running backs that are around that price point that you're avoiding like Chase Brown, Titus Swen is a little bit cheaper, but still, I think he might be or probably will be low or higher owned. So it's a mix of everything. I think Van Leeuwen's a good play. I, I think uh, FanDuel did a good job with their pricing, though, because I think you can see some cool lineups. DraftKings, the way the, 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 way the roster is built and how many spots there are, it creates a, a chalkier lineup, whereas FanDuel, I think they did a good job of, like, you make you're making decisions here for sure. You can definitely tell that FanDuel was definitely on top of the Robins news with moving up seventy three hundred and stuff like that. You can tell they're a little bit more on the pulse. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but they also has I don't know if you take in the fantasy points per game as far as projections, but they do have Daywood over Corley by like you know less than half of a fantasy point. Thought that was pretty interesting too, considering that you can get Daywood a little bit cheaper here on FanDuel than you could probably on DraftKings, and then Corley still being really high value there, but I thought that was pretty interesting. On top of Robbins, uh, I was going to say the vote of confidence reward definitely tells me a lot. I mean, if you're going to take $9,000 for Ward, so that tells me that that's a pretty solid play, or at least a confidence play for sure, that you're, you're really on top of that for this week too. So uh, I see a little bit of difference in McGriff, and we'll talk about him in just a second. But uh, um, I'm going to be pretty high owned on Ward. Yeah. I'm going to be pretty high. <laughs> I, I am worried to an extent. But uh, I, there's a lot of things to like. I think I'm worried about a lot of, of stuff in week zero because it's week zero. We've literally seen nothing. But like this is one of those situations where it's like, you know, you want to ease into it a little bit. But like you should play your typical bankroll, I think, if you have done the research. Like because you we're all be playing in the, or yeah. potentially more sure. aggressive. Because if you've done the research, we're all playing on the same foot. If you've done the research and you've gone above or you've been able to find stuff like. I wish Aiden Robbins wasn't announced as starter. Like I would have Same. loved for them to give in an or, or a uh, just not announced it because I would you would have gotten him at a better ownership. And if you've done the research, you would have found out that 
230 running back that they love that like is playing out of state. Like even if he's the backup and gets 12 carries, like that's still a great spot to be in for his price on drafting. So um, if you do the research, you should feel as good as anybody, if not better. So I wouldn't shy away from what you're playing. Just you gotta, you gotta read, you gotta listen to stuff like this um, to, to feel confident. Yeah, I get this sinking feeling in my stomach, Chris, that uh, one of us is going to have a, a, a very bad weekend with you on Ward and me on Travis. So uh, I think the heavily exposure or the heavy exposure you have on Ward on Brad's picks, I think I'm probably right there uh, in the same boat with Travis. I don't even Hopefully I, don't think I have him on price picks though to price picks though to be honest. I think I have okay. like maybe one or two. It's just most of my stuff is gonna be DraftKings this weekend. And yeah. at that price point, he could go 17, 18 points. And it, it, and and uh, Travis could easily do that. Because of bonus, right? The bonus helps, right? Yeah. To add on to your point about like double, triple stacking stuff, like yeah. you know, you you would go quarterback, running back, receiver, because you can get the extra three points on a yep. big game. Right. But like, you're not getting that in on FanDuel. So you yep. should consider that, right? Like Austin Reed has less value here compared to DraftKings. Like he's not as safe because of the 300 yard bonus. Um, and three, three points feels like nothing, but like when you're at the top of the leaderboard and you're in your, in second place by 1.7, like you, oh, you yeah. wish you were playing DraftKings. <laughs> Especially if his ownership is where we think it is. If his ownership is where we think it is, that three points is a huge differentiator. For sure. Yep. For and sure. just to reiterate that, you know, FanDuel is 0.5 PPR and not the 1.0, just for those that are listening. So keep that in mind. Uh, like I said, a lot different of a strategy or, you know, makes you think about different things to go along with it. Uh, one last one I wanted to talk about. I think we touched on McGriff, but uh, talk to me about. I think you said something about Lejante, but what do you think about Wester there at FAU uh, with Perry there? I see that you're kind of throwing in there. Was that more of a confidence play or just a value play? What was that? For, I think uh, Chris, I like him as a receiver when he's gotten a lot of hype um, in the offseason. There's not a lot of guys to like compete with them. Like they moved Javion Posey, like a quarterback for them, over to receiver. Um, you know, I think Johnny Ford is going to be in the mix for like the second or third most targets on the team. And I, we've talked about him. We, we like him, but like if that's your receiver two or three, then like your receiver one should get a good bit. Right. So uh, you have to like Perry to like Wester uh, in my opinion, um, especially in a Fandle where you like, if you're picking a receiver, you pretty much need a touchdown or like a huge yardage game, right? Like that's where you get your points. So if you like Perry, then you should sack him with Wester. But, you know, he's just gotten a lot of hype. And I think at that point, right, like I've listed off four or five guys of that same range. I think McGriff will probably be the highest owned. And Wester's probably going to be one of your lowest. I think Ricky White would be the lowest. But, like, Wester would be close. And that should be something you think about. Yes. All right, boys. I think we've gotten it pretty squared away. It's time to draw the line. Of course, this is through DraftKings Sportsbook. This is picking our favorite lines of the week. So I got the graphic up here. Started out with Vanderbilt. Spread, minus eight, not the minus 3,500. I'm not going to keep it safe, guys. I'm not here to stay safe anymore. The guys pulled me out of the uh, the, the easy three-foot uh, pool area and, and drug me into the deep end. So I was like, hey, if I'm going to put my stake on something, 
I can't play it as safe in 3,500. So I'm going to minus eight. It was minus seven up until like today. Uh, once again, Chris Moxley is a viable source of information. Please go follow him at Chris Moxley 19. Uh, the man, uh, you know, he's got a really good one. And of course, in the show too, he was talking about how he likes the minus sevens, the minus tens, those type of numbers that you see in football when it becomes more even or stuff that you don't see. A minus eight is a little bit harder. I'm still thinking that Vandy's going to probably take this. I'm hoping by a touchdown and a field goal. So I'm thinking, you know, even 10 is possible. So the minus eight, I'm still okay with. If it goes anywhere like minus nine, I don't like that at all. Um, you know, because that means a safety has to be involved or something weird like that. Not, I'm not into that type of situation. But I'm going to take Vandy minus eight against Hawaii. Uh, I know there's people in there saying smash the underdog with Hawaii, which I think is a good play. I mean, honestly, if you're trying to go against the grain, the uh, plus eight from Hawaii is not terrible. But have you seen how terrible Hawaii is and Vandy's not much better, but between the two, I think Mike Wright and the crew gets it done. So I'm taking the minus eight on the, on the spread there. Chris, you decided to go with UTEP, and they got the plus one still. Uh, even to even today, nothing's changed. Are you still pretty confident in UTEP taking the uh, the plus one win? Yeah, I like that one. You know, veteran quarterback. You got two stud running backs, a, a great returning receiver, which we've talked about. Like I feel, I was surprised by that. Like North Texas is. I know, like, Moxley, you know, influences lines here, but, like, I don't feel that good about, you know, North Texas. Anytime, on, like, maybe if they thought Gunnell was going to be quarterback, you could call that a reasonable line. But, like, Austin Oni could throw, like, 12 for 28 and four picks. Well, actually, he wouldn't because he'd get replaced. But, like, that could happen. Like, I don't – I would take it – I mean, not that it does anything, right? Like, I would just take it money line, to be honest. But – I, I like the run game. If UTEP gets up, you have a veteran quarterback, a great quick uh, moving receiver, and then you have two running backs. Like They call Hankins Tankins, which I think is great, and I'm down to call him the rest of the season, especially if he pulls through for us here to, uh, this weekend. But, yeah, I, I was very surprised at UTEP. I did a double take when I saw UTEP was, uh, was plus one. All right. And Ethan, you have the over and under of over 59 in the FAU Charlotte game. Is it the uh, case of no one plays defense or everyone benefits type situation, or do you have a, a narrative here going into the, the over under? Yeah. I mean, more, more or less. Uh, my thought process is that I, I mean, I'm high on Charlotte's offense. I've been preaching that for a few weeks now. Um, we look at how efficient Florida Atlantic was against Charlotte last year, and Charlotte is just garbage time gold. They rack up those points. I'm not really, I'm not nearly as confident in the fact that Charlotte's going to win this game as I am that we're going to get oodles of points. I think it was at 57 when I had originally seen it. I'm still okay with uh, 59. Um, I, yeah, I'd probably even be okay at 60, 61. I think it's going to be a, a, a great game for week zero. I'm, I'm glad that uh, FanDuel brought it in, and I think it's going to be a, a great, you know, early evening, sit down after dinner and enjoy this one. Is it on CBS Sports Network? I believe so. God. I need to find I mean, a friend. I, Someone I think send you have, uh, I think you have Paramount Network or something like that. I think that's on CBS of course, or so I think I need to I know Hulu. Catch it that way. Hulu, Hulu is yeah. if you have live yeah. or something. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's on DirecTV or anything. My cable provider, DirecTV Stream, does not get it, and I'm not paying 25 bucks more a month to get it. So I need a friend. 
there. If you want to be my friend, yeah. just DM me. Hit up, yeah, and, hit up uh, Chris we'll K at Real's Chris K. He'll uh, trade you Disney Plus for something or something like that, whatever. Yeah, that's a good number, <laughs> though. I like that number. It's, but if you, I think to me that like Charlotte's going to do it. It's is the question is, is Charlotte's defense going to be that good or is Perry going to be good? Right, like if Perry's going to be good, yeah. then you're hitting that right. Or if Charlotte's defense is like crazy, right? Like that would be See, my concern. Me, but yeah. their offense is awesome, so. Yeah, my my main concern with that number is the offensive line for Charlotte. If Charlotte's offensive line isn't able to protect Reynolds, it's going to be a long day. They're going to have to rely more on Victor Tucker than Grant DeBose because Victor Tucker, uh, he had like 25% of his passes were behind the line of scrimmage last year. Um, so he he's an interesting option if that offensive line is bad, bad. I know they're inexperienced. I don't know how bad they're going to be. I still say that you're you're in the safe there going to 59. So I think we're in the clear there. I think there's points there. All right. Before we go, I just want to say, uh, you know, thanks for everyone for listening. I know we had a pretty good uh, showing here last week as far as everyone listening in. I appreciate you guys for just checking us out and seeing what we're about. And now that you got some uh, stuff that you can graphs, one, I want to say, please bet responsibly. Uh, the stuff that we put out, you can do those lineups if you want. Make some of your own. This is just a guideline to go over, but please be responsible. Don't bet your farm. Uh, you know, you know what you got to do. If you need help, there's hotlines to help you out. So please do that. I just want to keep that in mind. Uh, but I want to, you know, give you two guys because you guys have been putting out some pretty amazing articles that's in the NIL uh, tier there through Camps of Canton. So why don't you guys talk about those and what's uh, coming out this week? And we'll start with Ethan first. Yeah, so uh, I know my prize picks article dropped last week. Uh, that's behind uh, the NIL membership. Um, we are also going to uh, see a uh, uh, an article uh, about stacks, uh, the best stacks for this uh, main slate on DraftKings. Um, that should be up sometime this week. Uh, and then over on Fantasy Cruncher, uh, if you want to sample my writing before you actually commit to the NIL stuff, um, you can see my uh, slate breakdown. It's a slate preview. It should be dropping. Uh, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, it should be dropping uh, tomorrow morning. So uh, check it out over there. Um, it's going to have uh, just kind of an overview of the uh, games we expect to be uh, heavily, he the games that we expect to heavily impact our uh, main slate. I got you. And Chris, you can only see his stuff unless you're paying for it. Because that's how he rolls. He has these sweet titles and very good, uh, you know, pop culture references that I think people should alone should just pay for. To, so, Chris, why don't you tell the people uh, what you got coming out? I know you just dropped one this morning, but you got another one here very soon. Yeah, we got the main slate is up uh, as of, I think, like sometime around noon, which was cool. And then tomorrow sometime around noon as well the night slate of DraftKings. so i like to focus a little bit more on DraftKings. ethan chips in with FanDuel, which is cool um that's a little bit you know DraftKings is a little bit more my bread and butter i always try to think of like the most like how far can i push the line in terms of titles this one feels good it's not explicit but like it's a little bit long so we'll see i think it got passed and it slid through um, but I think over time we'll get one or two banned from. You sound uh, disappointed that it's not explicit. <laughs> I know. I, I well, the thing is, editor, you know, sir, editor did not slack me on the side. Say, hey, like, I'll let it and slide this time, but like, let's not yeah. do that again. But yeah, it's a Jay Sean reference, Lil Wayne. Can't go wrong with it. So it'll be a fun one. But uh, check it out tomorrow for sure. It'll be posted. Yep, and uh, once again, please. Uh, 
We got the promo code at C2C. So if you're playing prize picks with us, we encourage you to play with us as well. Also, I don't believe it's happening this week, but next week uh, for those that are going to be playing uh, DraftKings, we're going to be having a free contest where uh, the people of C2C and the members are going to be playing each other. And that's going to be hosted by Alfred Fernandez. Uh, you have a chance to win a home field a gift card, and that makes me want to play because I have a ton of Tar Heels retro shirts that I want. But if you're, you know, one of one of a hundred and, you know, 30 something teams and you want a retro viewers one, I know Chris has a pretty sweet collection. He's already started it as well. And I know me and Ethan will Quickly catch up, I'm sure, here pretty soon. Regardless, if not, we'll have at least, you know, Penn State and Carolina stuff nonstop. So, hey, you know, homerism to its core. But, hey, if you want to win a gift card, plus you get to learn how to play uh, DraftKings and, you know, this for there as well. Uh, we'll be having an episode here, not uh, next week, but the week after, with our friend Jared Pongram at CFF Jared. Um, and he's newer to DFS, so it'll be a great opportunity for us to show him the ropes, but also teach you guys playing for the very first time, you know, uh, terminology, uh you know, thesis and stuff like that as we show you some of our lineups and what we're doing as well. Also, check in next week. We got the uh, the Gridiron Scholar, Mr. John Lava, an OG in our community. The OG. He, does, he is. He's a, he's a, he is an OG. He was the man that I looked up. He's the first DFS article in CFF that I saw. He was the very first CFF article that I saw. So the man holds a lot of uh, respect for me. Uh, so I'm definitely excited to have him on here next week. It'll be a good time. Uh, he'll give us our analysis and maybe throw in some of his picks that he would put as well. So it's going to be a good time from all four of us. So definitely looking forward to that. Guys, anything else before we wrap this up today? Well, I would just add at Burning the Red Shirt, we call him Lob City. So he's got the best nickname in the biz. I mean, what a great, what a great guy. He's like true CFF advocate. So that'll be a fun one to do. Um, also has one of the best laughs in the CFF space. So it'll be fun. Hopefully he won't be too sad if UConn goats destroyed, uh, but hopefully UConn shows up a good showing. So he won't be too sad. I know he cheers for Michigan. So maybe there'll be hope that he'll feel better that, uh, you know, Michigan's got a week one matchup coming up as well. Ethan, you got anything else, man? No, I'm good. All right, guys. Well, we thank you for listening in. It's been a, a little bit of a longer episode, but we want to make sure you had y'all covered for week zero. And we hope to see you guys next time. Peace.